whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. When artistic director of the Santa Fe Playhouse Vaughn Irving was here to talk about the Groove Lily musical Striking 12, we also talked about two other musicals he wrote slash co-wrote, You or Whatever I Can Get, and Disco Jesus and the Apostles of Funk, both of which debuted at the Capitol Fringe Festival here in D.C. We joined the conversation already in progress. Much like the the story, The match, Little Match Girl, a very realistic kind of ending. It's a little magical with him buying all of the lights, you know what I mean? Right. But it is much more... It doesn't solve all the world's problems, but he affects her. He's like, I can affect change here right. where I see a need. And so we'll take this out and then we'll spread this joy of literally like these lights. Right. But you don't see the effects of that. Like it's right. not the ending is not them giving lights to everybody and everybody's, and everybody's happy. All of a sudden happy. They just right. decide to go give the lights away and then they sing, you know, the snow song and first day of the year. And we're like, mm-hmm. we're on our way. And it feels a lot more like self-inspiring instead of more like oh everything's fine in that kind of like grand right shiny we've happy. solved all the problems of the world in an hour and a half of musical right which is you know it happens you know we Sometimes. can do that right yeah. we can get that going is this something that you have found because you've worked on a couple musicals now um mm-hmm. is this something you found has influenced your production or, or conception writing uh, yeah i mean it really um it really came into play when i was working on disco jesus because that mm-hmm. was also more of a concert style musical um not quite as as meta as this show mm-hmm. though there were there were times we so did, what was we the plot it, for those people who haven't seen it what of, was the plot of, of disco, disco jesus, jesus and the yeah. apostles of funk yeah um <laughs> no i don't know i don't think i didn't need any more than that but i but let's see what else we could get <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I wrote a musical <laughs> called Disco Jesus and the Apostles of Funk. Um, and, uh, it was, the basic plot of it was, uh, woman, uh, is feeling like she's going nowhere in life, bartending, uh, doing nothing and finds Jesus, but it's Disco Jesus, uh, which is a <laughs> band, a, a disco funk glam ridiculous <laughs> band uh and she she ends up singing with the band she and through the process she discovers that the, the guy the chris pun intended mm-hmm. uh who, who leads <laughs> the band is kind of a false prophet if so to speak mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh and uh <laughs> And she thinks she's sort of found her way through this guy and through this band and decides at the end that it's she needs to find her own way instead Mm -hmm. of trying to find someone else's way for her. her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, is a is a bit of a metaphor for my thoughts on on certain religions. Right. Um, No offense to anyone. Right. Um, (laughs) But. uh, Nobody got that out of it. They just had a good time, you know, which is well, also some great. people got that out of it. There's a couple, you people. Know, a couple people, yeah. right. but everyone had fun. And Everybody, that's, that's yeah. you know, it's a free, it was a fringe show. Um, but it's you know, it's a that's an eleven person cast, nine of whom are musicians. Mm-hmm. So, uh, pretty dense yeah. uh, actor musician show, which meant that there was never any time for an actor to be on stage 
without an instrument. You know, right. there were a couple book scenes that happened where there wasn't any underscoring and stuff like that. But a lot of the time, there was a band on stage playing. Maybe there was a scene happening downstage of it. Maybe the scene was the song being played by the band. Um, but we walked those that sort of narrative arc too, where there was a there was a narrator who was sort of the uh, Isaac Hayes kind of style mm-hmm. vocal, you know, that was coming in just to tell you some context and speaking in some bizarre funk poetry, you right. know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then stepping into the story and out and. It never reached the complete level of band just talking to audience. It was more, right. you know, narrative and story, right? Um, with a couple, with a couple meta jokes thrown into the Tossed mix, into the mix, you know, yeah. where we knew we were in the fringe tent, and uh, and when you guys did make fun of that, you or whatever I can get at fringe, mm-hmm. the band seemed a little more integrated into the show than it did when it was presented at Silver Spring Black Box. It seemed a little bit more I mean they were still on stage for part Silver of it, Spring Black Box, but part of that was the nature of of fringe too. Mm-hmm. Cause you can't really you know, you're in the tent at Fringe, which I guess doesn't even exist. It doesn't exist, exist anymore. anymore. Yeah, uh, I know. Two shows in the tent. <laughs> My days of the it tent. It was a nice theater. tent there on New York Avenue. Yeah. I tent. mean during the year of Disco Jesus, I think it was hundred and seven the entire time we were performing. Uh was, oh my gosh. which was that was it was, but it was the tent revival. It just felt right, you know. Yeah, there you go. It That's did. right. That does fit. Um, that fits perfectly. That seems much, yeah, very suited to Disco Jesus. Right. Yeah, Not but, as suited to uh, to you or whatever you or whatever can get. But the the small oh, space, no levels. There right. was not really an option to separate the band, and so we integrated the band in a way that was a little more present. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, when the remount or the the full production at uh, at the Silver Spring Black Box, we had. The Silver Spring Black Box, which is huge, right. so you know you just have this sort of obligation to fill up that space with something. <laughs> um, so we had a donut revolve right. and a platform. Right. The band was six feet up in the air. Which now, with the set we've got for this show we're working on right now at the Black Box, that size set seems simple and easy. And I know. Tiny. I've seen. I've seen the pictures. We'll talk about Colton in a minute. Um, but I want to. Yeah, it's funny you say that about. I just had this thought that I wonder how much is how much of the joy of something like a fringe festival is kind of the janky nature of the presentations themselves. I, and like I remember when we did Giant Box of Porn, which is the same year you were doing uh, you or whatever I can get, we were in the warehouse, mm-hmm. which is also no longer there mm-hmm. and is right next door to the right. tent. And the warehouse was connected to a bar called The Passenger, which is also no longer there. God, you know. Um, but one thing we shared the room with was the ice maker for the passenger. Wow. Which had a habit of turning itself on in very inopportune moments, moments of quiet <laughs> drama, you know, and this thing would just go, and it would just make, and you knew what it was, you know. Right. But it was this terrible, like you're sitting there having this moment, and then you see your, in the background, and you go, and you just kind of had to go, it's fringe. It is It is what it is. Right. And I do think that that's part of the appeal of, of fringe Right. Anywhere. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, is that it should feel kind of undergroundy and not quite right. finished and you know it's it's the fringe. I mean, you're right. on the fringe of you know the, the point oh, is going is. and doing stuff sort of as as best you can. Yeah. You know, and I've been super positive on the festival. I would not Oh sure. Have gotten Well they got a great new space there at Atlas. I mean that's great for yeah. them. Yeah. To kind of grow and move. 
And I, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten this job that I got right now if I had not been producing it for. Oh, is that is that true? Um, well, I don't know. I didn't ask the people who hired me, but <laughs> but you know, if you look at my. CV from the time mm. that my producing experience was fringe and I wouldn't have had the opportunity to produce the, and I wouldn't have been able to afford it without something like the festival. So like mm-hmm. that, that was invaluable to me yeah, because it like gave me an outlet. What I did when I was writing Disco Jesus is I said, you know, we were working on it, working on it, not making a lot of progress. And I said, I'm just applying. Right. And I applied and yeah. I was like, and we got in and now I have to finish this play. Right. You know, it's going up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that was great because I don't think I would have ever gotten there otherwise. Well, because it would never have been. Yeah, you never you don't finish things in a vacuum. To right. Me. Like you know the you do need the pressure. Of, I need that deadline. Yeah. I think everyone needs that deadline. I don't know anybody who. I mean, we've all seen art movies, mainly movies, but this happens in theater. It happens in music a lot, where somebody's sort of given unlimited time and unlimited resources, <laughs> and they take it. You know, it's mm-hmm. that terrible thing of like, if you give me two years, I'm going to take two years. You know, right. if you give me two weeks, I will also take all every minute of that two weeks. But I do like the Lauren Michaels quote about Saturday Night Live is that we don't go on because we're ready. We go on because it's 1130. Like, right. and I feel that way. Like, that's just what live performance and most performance should just is. Like, it's just yeah. you're you're it's time to do the show now. So here we go. Yep. And it, it's going to be what it's going to be. And yeah, I think without deadlines, especially tight deadlines, things wouldn't get written. They just don't get finished. Right, right. Because yeah. you're making so many tough decisions. Yeah, and there's never a, a clear-cut point when it's done. Right. You know, like, this is not... <laughs> I don't know who said that. The th- plays aren't finished. They're abandoned. But I think that's absolutely <laughs> true. Like, you just eventually, you're just like, that's a, that's enough. That's, I've, I've worked all on I can this do to that. as much yeah. as I humanly possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and on we go. Has the show has this show changed a lot? Like from the ver- the recorded version to the production you did, striking twelve. Uh... Um, there's some there's some changes. It's not it's not major stuff. There's a new song and uh, and some of the dialogue moments, and they've just been adapted to make them a little more flexible to whoever's mm-hmm. doing the show because they also don't have a rule about this has to be three musicians: a keyboard, a drum, right. and an electric violin. So I saw a production of it in Chicago with. Uh, it was a four-person band. I think it was keys, guitar, bass, drums. Mm-hmm. You know, so the guitar sort of filled in the electric violin parts. Okay, but they'll let you do stuff like that with the arrangement, and they'll you really let you sort to. of mess with the script in terms of how to play it amongst, present it with right. your new group of people because you can divide up all the different roles in different ways. Yeah, um, I wouldn't want to see this done with too too many people, but you could do it with right. you know six eight and it would be still pretty true to the original concept depending on how you layered it um though there would be small parts each i mean it would be (laughs) and then there's a ton of changes to the fully like the 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 full the cast version instead Mm -hmm. of the band version um because you've got songs like give the drummer some and the drummer would theoretically not be an actor anymore right. in that version. Now the next time out's gonna be about the history of Gene From the minimum wage to the stadium stage and the good parts in between And the world will know of my big ego and my way with all the chicks And the hottest girls watch my drumsticks twirl as I play my tasty licks I don't mean to sound demanding But we've been off wonder landing And that grandma part notwithstanding 
Yeah, but I'm looking at the, the cast photos on the right, the right's website. Mm-hmm. There's like 12, 10 people yeah. in the cast here. And yeah, you could do it. I can also see some nice chances for some vocal arrangements if you wanted to go yeah, that way. Yeah, and there are broader, some cool, yeah, yeah, they fleshed it out a little bit more. Um, yeah. Though the vocal arrangements are still pretty cool in the original. Oh, you yeah. Know, especially considering they're all playing their instruments. I, I think, mm-hmm. of, you know. And they all sing, right? I mean, they all sing all, all throughout, though. They yeah. All, yeah. And uh, when we did it, I think that this is how they do it, too, with headsets, so that yes. you do get you to act move. a little bit more yeah. because you're not stuck to the mic. Though the keyboard player and the drummer are both stuck to their instruments and can't actually move around the stage. Right. But a violinist can't sing and play violin, can't sing at a traditional microphone and play violin. Right. That would, the sound mix would just become untenable. And I loved sitting in, into a headset mic on th- at the drums. That was the first time I'd ever tried that mm. because I'd always had go. that stick mic in front of me at the drums right. and, you know. I was used to playing in bands that way, right. and uh, it was so liberating to have that headset on. <laughs> let me tell you. Well, it's not a long tradition, drummer vocalists. You're, you're coming from kind of a yeah. I mean, there's there's been a Phil few. Phil Collins is the obvious right. One, like um, first starter. What's his name from Queen? Uh, 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 Roger, Roger Taylor. Yeah, yeah. That's her, yeah. It's often forgotten. Roger Taylor sings at least one song on every Queen album, right? And right. wrote. I mean, many of Queen's big hits. Yeah. Freddie Mercury gets all the all the cred, but well, and sh- and he and should. he should and he should. He's brilliant. It is really though funny. Unlike their most famous album, which is Night at the Opera, mm-hmm. which has I think not counting God Save the Queen, eleven songs, maybe ten. Okay, he sings solo seven of them because I think Brian May has two okay. vocals and uh, he has uh, Roger Taylor has one, and it's just funny that. I always wonder what it's like to be the vocalist in a band. Obviously, he played piano and did the, mm-hmm. but like you're the lead vocalist, and then the drummer's like, "No, this is my song, and I'm gonna sing it." And it's like, <laughs> "Well, I'm just gonna, you know, burn off back backstage." I right. guess. I mean, I think he played keyboards and stuff during the show, but he's not, you know, he can't play another instrument. He right. can't. You got nothing to do up there. <laughs> you're just sort of standing there, like. All right, like this is my job, man. You're like, ta- but you know, Roger Taylor can sing. It's nothing taken away from. Right, him. He doesn't right. have quite Freddie Mercury's. But it voice. is a, a conundrum for the lead singer who maybe, maybe they just get a break. Maybe they know? just get a break, which I is go I get mean, a glass when you of sing water. like Freddie Mercury, maybe not a bad thing. Right, like, yeah. To rest your chords. You probably need a glass of water. Uh, but it is the band dynamics. Right? They're so funny. I always think about it with. I mean, the Beatles obviously shared vocals all the way around. Right. But everybody's playing instruments, so it's not you know. And also, no one was gonna like. I don't think John or Paul ever felt threatened by what Ringo was doing. Uh, God, God, I love him, but, you know, it's not the same. Right. <laughs> it's not the same. I do feel, I have to say, maybe you could speak to this a little bit. Because um, the bands you played in, you you, you obviously sang on. You... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, not necessarily lead all the time, mm-hmm. but it, I've done both. So what I what I think is, as a drummer, though, I wonder how you feel about this. What One of the things that makes me, as a huge Beatles fan and, and sort of, I do own every single Beatles solo album, and I do mean all of them. So I have all of Ringo's things. All right. And what the the tragedy, if you will, not really a tragedy because he's fine, but the sort of sad thing about Ringo to me in his solo career is that there wasn't anywhere for him to go as a drummer. Because like when a band breaks up, like a, just a regular mm-hmm. band, you know, that was had a, a regular level of success, you always read about oh the drummer went on to play with this band or went on right. to play with that band. You can't do that if you're Ringo. If you're Ringo you can't go no, yeah. form a band where you're the drummer. It's right, just, and somebody else is the front man. Right, of your and everybody band would and be coming Ringo to Star. see. It's like, 
well, this doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why is the most famous person in the band all the way at the back? Yeah. Uh, not singing all the time. So he had to kind of come down to the front and sing. And if you've ever seen him perform, it's very kind of lounge acty. He's right. down there with his microphone, like singing. And someone else is playing drums. He's like the most famous rock drummer in history. And someone else is playing <laughs> drums. And. You know, he. I, the, well, what else could he do? Is my other right. side of it. Well, like, it's also got to be a lot of pressure for that drummer who's playing with That's him. That's true. Like, I'm drumming for, for Ringo, Ringo Starr. Star. <laughs> There's some stuff I remember when he did when I was in high school. He did he did a VH1 Storytellers because he had an album coming uh-huh. out, and they had two kits, and he would occasionally go back behind the kit and play. And that I have to imagine was super stressful for the other drummer to be like, I'm just keeping time with Ringo Starr. No <laughs> one look at me <laughs> at all, please. And and it's yeah, I can't like it's a tough gig in a band to be the drummer. Yeah, I would I imagine. Mean, I I I I'm glad you say that because. I've always felt like it was. And, you know, I always wanted to sing lead from right. the drums because I could. Yeah. But you can't front a band from the from drums. From the drums. You just, you can't, just can't. You can't yeah. do it. Um, Physically can't do it. Which is what I really like about this show, too, is that, like, they they pass off the lead vocal and the sort of storytelling of this around from person to person. Mm-hmm. So the drummer, while he's stuck in the back, does get to play really interesting characters he's sort of the character actor of the show who right. comes in and plays all the goofy guys but that seems like well, what, a drummer, yeah, for, anyway. totally what a drummer is for anyway yeah. um, you're on the phone you know you're that right. <laughs> how did you set up the stage when you did it with the musicians um we did i mean it was it was pretty basic uh but dr- so you were at the back i was at the back but not like set far back sure. you know in a flattened out triangle mm-hmm. uh, keys stage left uh violin stage right drums center but recessed a little bit and then what we did in our production was we had a we had a, a scrim up or a yeah a scrim up in the back and we had a dancer who yeah. uh would come out and do this um modern interpretation of all the little match girl sections of the play oh okay um so she would just appear back there and dance to like some of the more to kind of differentiate the the Hans the, Christian Anderson from the contemporary exactly action. Okay. to try to try to break that up a little bit as far as I know we're the only ones to do that but we had a uh, uh Heather Reed who was um part of the company I think she was the master electrician at the time um but she was a fantastic modern dancer oh wow and uh and we said, well, we've got this amazing resource. Let's yeah. find a way to you, use, use it. Use the resource. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, no. Yeah. She's now out in Rock Island, Illinois at Circuit 21 Dinner Theater as their stage manager. She oh, does wow. everything. She's amazing. Apparently, yeah. yes. Yeah. My I, gosh. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Vaughn Irving for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 